Welcome, everybody, to the Robert John and the Rec podcast. We are a five-piece rock and roll band traveling the world, drinking local drinks, eating local foods, and melting faces. I'm Warren. I'm Andrew. And I'm Henry. And man, does it feel weird when it doesn't start with, and I'm Steve, and I like don't even know what to do with that. <laughs> I know. There's just something about the timbre of having all those E's that just makes it like, it just flows really well. Yeah, feels good. A lot of nice messing names. With, messing with people's rhythms here. Yeah. And uh, obviously, it's only the three of us tonight. Robert and Steve uh, are not going to be able to make it tonight. But that's fine because we all pretty much did the exact same thing this weekend, which pretty was much. a very fulfilling weekend because it was the first time that we've played Friday, Saturday, and Sunday in a row. Oh, um, shit. And that was just crazy. Waking up on Monday going, wow, we gigged all weekend. That has not happened in a long time. Yep. And uh, not only that, we got to gig three completely different gig scenarios, scenes, and uh, cities. So it was really cool. Um, we played... Uh, Friday in San Diego at this little outdoor uh, kind of venue for um, the Friday Feels concert series that they put down at Pacific City Heights. That was pretty cool. Um, we'd like to get to San Diego more. And then uh, Saturday night, we returned to our hometown venue, the Wayfair in Costa Mesa, California, and played a whole entire 90-minute-plus set with a lot of our friends, Eric Roebuck, uh, the Eric Roebuck band opened the night and they did a, an amazing job. They're all very close friends of the band and uh, it was a great time. Got to see some podcast listeners there in the flesh. So that was cool. And then Sunday we uh, played a barbecue festival in San Juan and that was completely insane. And I'm sure we'll dive into each of these gigs a little bit more, but that was the weekend that we had. And um, again, as a musician who hasn't gigged Friday, Saturday, and Sunday in over a year, it felt very good waking up on a Monday going, ah, that's, that's what yeah. that feels like. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't know. What would, you guys can talk about some, maybe some of the highlights of each one of these gigs because um, there's definitely a lot of things we can talk about. I'll just talk about why all of them sucked for different <laughs> reasons, and then we can bring them all back. Because, Perfect. Um, there's just a lot of weird logistic things I haven't dealt with in a long time. And these games are all amazing. So they, these are just like, you know, things that are super trivial. They don't really care about that much, but are just funny, right? So, A, I've forgotten what it is to, like, drive a lot in one day. So to get to that San Diego gig, it took me four hours to get to Oceanside, where I was uh, uh, meeting with, like, a business client. And then an hour from Oceanside to get to where the gig was, which I think like on a good day, it would have taken me two hours to get to Oceanside and then 30 minutes to get to the gig. And it just doubled all of those things. So it was five hours to get to Oceanside. And then uh, it was an acoustic set, which I love doing acoustic sets. It gives you a chance to like hear the vocals a lot more. And we do write songs with like a ton of vocals in them. And when we play, play really loud, it's kind of hard to hear them sometimes. So when we do those acoustic sets, those vocals really shine. And it was like a really cool setting or like outdoors. And um, it was like this, uh, it was almost like an outdoor mall or something like that. But you can, it like the sound was like bouncing off the walls and you can hear it like reverb pretty big. And it was just like a cool vibe. But the thing I hate about, playing acoustic shows is when people ask me to play cajon which is this like small wooden box that just sounds like you're almost like playing on a table or something and it's uh, first of all cajon doesn't sound like a drum set you can't really get it to sound that great it sounds fine but it's not that great in general and then it really just destroys your hands if you don't play it all the time <laughs> so man has just got so bruised and then I think the drive home from there after that set was like another two hours or something like that. So on Friday, I was in a car for seven hours of my day. So that's what I forgot about gigging. 
the Wayfarer was awesome. That was like solid Wayfarer show. And I love just being back on that stage, back with all the people we know and love. So no complaints there. But then the next day we played at uh, Heritage Barbecue Festival or barbecue. Just it wasn't a festival, just a the place, which was amazing for so many reasons that we're going to get into. But uh, I also forgot what it is to like have to park somewhere and take all my gear. So good for Heritage was they had this line of people that went all the way uh, out the door and onto the street. And then it went down this hill that was like on the other side of the restaurant. And in that parking lot that was on down the hill, there was maybe like another 30 or 40 people waiting in line or something like that. It was like a line of 200 people or something crazy. And it was at least two hours to get to the front, if not more. Um, and I parked in that parking lot down there and I sort of could have probably like loaded up from the top, but I'd already found a parking space and it looked like it was hard to find parking, but I had to take, all my gear from the bottom of that hill through all of these barbecue fans <laughs> and then up the, uh, up the ramp and then into where it was going. <laughs> so that actually felt really good, but it, I had to do it three times with like my toms and then with my bag and then with my drum set. And I forgot what it was to like do those, you know, trips and sort of things like that. So we've been spoiled but that was nothing compared to getting to play music again because it was so awesome and feeling like exhausted at the end of the weekend. But like you felt like you actually accomplished something and not like, you know, you just sat at home and watch movies all weekend or mm -hmm. something. It really felt like something happened, which is it was awesome. So that was the hardship of my weekend. <laughs> Henry, what were the good parts for you? Uh, the, the other thing, the other thing you forgot to mention was uh was was the sun at the gate oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> it was there um so as a, as a segue uh i got like heat exhaustion or something because i was delirious after that gig <laughs> like i was like straight up like not like borderline unconscious i was like not doing good <laughs> after that show um but yeah um and then uh, the previous night at the Wayfair uh, was great. Um, I used to play in a band with Eric Roebuck actually years ago. And um, he played a few of the songs that we used to play in that band. So it was cool seeing him play those songs with different musicians and kind of a newer interpretation of them. Um, and also getting to hear his new songs, which all sounded really, really good. Um, and then I got to go up at the end of his set and, uh, and play some songs with him, which was super fun um, and super uh, nostalgic. Um, and with him and uh, our buddy Alex Bo, who's another uh, incredible guitar player in the scene. Um, it's always a blast getting to share the stage with him. We don't really get to do that that often, so that, that felt really special. Um, and I played a guitar solo to a song I actually recorded with Eric last year. Um, called Need a Change that's that's out now. Um, if you look up Eric Roebuck, you can actually hear that song. And I, I laid down a couple guitar solos on it. Um, so it was cool actually getting to play it live uh, with his band. And I saw some of our old uh, uh, friends um, from the uh, Professor Colombo days, which is the band we played in before I was in Robert John the Wreck, um, which was super cool as well. Um, and then, and then additionally, um, our friend Adam Ditt's brother Anson was playing bass and his buddy Johnny, who were sort of like my, my little brothers in high school, sort of, um, a couple years behind me, three or four years behind me, um, that, uh, sort of looked up to me, um, back then it was kind of, it was just a cool full circle moment. Um, and then, uh, on Friday, uh, my dad was there. That was cool. Um, got to hang out with him for a little bit and see a few other people that I know, family members that live down there. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, taking it back to Sunday, like, uh, we, we actually did another show at the Wayfair that evening as well, um, for the sweet relief Sundays thing with Steve and, uh, got to play some songs with him and Andrew. And then, uh, and then at the end had a big guitar 
jam with uh, Porcelain Hill and our buddy Darnell uh, from that group, um, which was super fun. And just like, I mean, just it happened so fast. Uh, I remember, I remember on Friday looking ahead at the weekend and just going like, kind of feeling overwhelmed about it, like excited but also overwhelmed. And then, you know, it's like it was over so fast, over like immediately. Um, and and like Andrew said, you know, it feels feels like I actually did something. <laughs> feels like I accomplished some, accomplished something and kind of, uh, you know did something in line with my purpose, which was super important and super uh, meaningful. And it was a great time. Nice time. Good time. Good times. Had a good one. And the one thing that I do want to talk about that particularly blew my hair back this weekend was the plate of barbecue food that we got from the heritage barbecue. It was insane, and if you're listening to this or you're live right now, I uploaded a picture to my personal Instagram, uh, Warren Merle, uh, it, because it was so glorious. Uh, I have never had barbecue food that good in my life before, and I feel like I've been to a lot of places that are supposed to be some of the top places. Like I heard that this guy... Um, I don't remember his name who runs heritage started at a place called the salt lick in Austin. And I went to the salt lick and it's a really cool spot. It's super vibey and it has great charm and it has great food, but it wasn't like mind blowing. I think I talked about the barbecue the rest of the day because it was just, uh, it was insane. And there was probably, I think like 10 or maybe 13 of us just sitting around kind of eating it family style and it was absolutely insane. And I am going to go back there anytime I want barbecue because that is now the pinnacle for me of, of barbecue. It was fucking ridiculous. Uh, I've also been to Salt Lake and I've eaten barbecue all across the country. Like that's if anyone knows me, that's all I talk about. That's all I, you know, all, if you look at my social media, it's all steaks and barbecue stuff. It's not anything else. It's like a, what I live for is fucking grilling and like seeing people barbecue stuff. It's uh, I love it so much. And this like totally ranks up there with the best I've ever eaten in my life across the country. You know? Yeah, it's super Texas and super good. And in California, it's really hard to come by. People don't do that, you know? And it's sort of hard to come by in general, um, you know, because it really takes someone who's really good at it all night to do it well. And then for these guys to be doing it in these quantities, like how big were those smokers? They were, they were at least like 15 to 20 feet long. They were huge. Were they say they get, how many pigs could they fit on like whole pigs or something like that? <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't hear that statistic. Oh, someone said that like uh, they could fit like 15 whole pigs on their smoker set, setup or something stupid <laughs> like that. Like if they wanted to do whole pig. <laughs> No, and wow. it was just like, um, like I'm going to nerd out now because like, I'm super into it. So usually what happens, too, with barbecue places is they like specialize in one thing, right? So the brisket's good, but everything else is okay. But, or the ribs are good and everything else is okay. And it usually happens like that, that they're either good at pork or they're good at beef. Like Texas, a lot of places are good at beef. And in uh, – like uh, the other southern states, like Georgia or like Kansas City, they do pork a lot better, and or some places have like really good chicken or like they specialize, right? Like you have to get this thing here. This place is just like everything they had on that plate was phenomenal. They did the best brisket I've probably ever eaten in my life. They had a beef rib that was like one of the greatest things I've ever eaten in my life. They had good pulled pork. They had great sides. There was like mac and cheese and um like baked beans and all these like really, really good sides. They did chicken. I, Henry ate the turkey because Henry can't eat pork or beef. So how was the turkey? It was great. I thought it was really good. Um, some places you go to and, you know, people do their poultry and it's a little like dry, like especially with turkey. Turkey, like I feel like it's really hard to get right. And theirs had that perfect texture where it just, it like, it was as close as like poultry can get to being like the melt in your mouth thing where it's like really easy. You're not like struggling to do it and it still was super juicy and it had this really great 
like rub around the edges on the outside of it that was super good. Um, and then it was like a rotisserie style roasted chicken, which like I love the skin on that. Like I'll literally just pick off pieces of the skin with like the little pieces of fat on it and eat that, um, which is part of my favorite thing about like a roasted chicken. Um, and that was super good too. And I definitely needed it because I was super hungry. So that definitely made it better. Um, and then, yeah, the mac and cheese was, was great. Um, that's pretty much all I had. There's also little things on the plate like pickles and pickled oh, onions the, yeah, and, and like jalapenos. jalapenos. Yeah. And oh my God, it just made like, you know, something good like 10 times better. As dumb as those little things sound, it was so good. Yeah. The chili was good too. Everything. Did you guys even have yeah. the, the banana pudding? I didn't even know it was yeah, there. Yeah. I just bit into it by accident. I was like, this is amazing too. <laughs> so obviously we liked it and I could talk about it forever, but I want to go back and I hope that line's like not normal because they were doing some kind of event there and they brought like a couple people together, but, uh, there was like a two hour line to be the first one there. Like I guarantee you the first person there showed up at like 5am or something stupid. So I hope that line's not normal and you could just get good barbecue there, you know, like on a normal basis. Yeah, I talked to some people who were waiting for four hours. That's so crazy. <laughs> but, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was great. And, um, yeah, it was a good weekend. I felt, like, good, you know? Yes. So. Yeah. And, you know, one thing that we did do a lot this weekend, or at least I did, is I drank a lot because the Wayfair had a tap takeover Mm-hmm. And Orange County actually has a lot of really good beers. So it was fun to play the show because we got to try all these beers and everything. Um, but with that being said, we're going to move into our next segment of what we're drinking tonight. And um, I'm definitely not drinking alcohol right now because I drank <laughs> a lot of alcohol this weekend. And I was really drunk when I left the Wayfair last night uh, for Steve's show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, really? yes. yeah, I was, I was pretty, I was pretty <laughs> sauced. Erica was telling me what I was doing when I got home and she was laughing about it. And I was like, damn, I think I drank a double IPA before I left from yeah, you did. stereo. You, and you asked just, me if I wanted it. And I was like, what? <laughs> it just flipped me. It just flipped me on my ass. And I mean, we'd, we'd been drinking all day too, but right. Yeah. So right now I'm not drinking beer, although I did have a lot of good beers this weekend. So shout out to all the beers that were at uh, the Wayfair. I am drinking a Spindrift um, bubbly water, the lime one, because that one rules raspberry lime. I probably won't drink alcohol for the whole entire week just to let my stomach get rid of all the IPAs and crap that I drank. So yeah, that was fun, but it's probably going to be bubbly waters and still for the next couple of days. <laughs> what about you, Andrew? What you got? You got a detox. I'm all for detoxing. I had the food detox. I can't like, I have to spend my weeks. <laughs> Dude, the summer is dangerous. That's all I'm going to say, especially getting back to playing and stuff like that. Cause like, it's so easy because every weekend we're doing something now or every weekend we have something or something's going on. And what that means is we're just like eating and drinking and doing all the things. And my body just like gains weight. Like, you know, that I wish I had Henry's metabolism where he can just basically like eat an entire, you know, <laughs> turkey, including the gobble and the feathers. And he doesn't gain any weight. But that's not me. And I totally have to work at like not doing those things. So, uh, yeah, when I hit my week, like when I hit my weeks, I'm like, okay, I have to be really good so I can be really bad this weekend. <laughs> that being said, I am drinking. Uh, a green cheek. It's another green cheek that Steve got us. What is this called? It's just different in person. It's just different what? in person. Hmm. I think, and it's a dark Munich style lager. I swear that's the only name. I know that sounds like a tagline. <laughs> But that's the name of the beer. Yeah. It's got this cool label. It's like mm. a weird, like, hand-drawn uh, German-looking uh, place with their parrots on it or whatever. That's pretty good. Um, 
as Henry knows, because I always give him crap about it, I'm not a super fan of German beers. Um, but I do really like Dunkelweiss. Like, that's one of my favorite styles, which is like a half, but very dark. And this is sort of like a dark lager that's like, you know, um, Budweiser, but really flavorful. So I'm all for this. It's like easy drinking and still full flavored. It's just different in person. You guys got to try it. It's just different in person. Hmm. Henry, what are you drinking? I am also drinking a Spindrift. Nice. <laughs> I'm doing the grapefruit one because, uh, yeah, I drink. I've thought about having a beer, and this is like a rarity. Like, it literally did not sound good to me. I was like, I drink so much beer and mixed drinks and stuff this weekend. It literally just does not sound good to me right now. I'm like, that's my body trying to tell me a message, <laughs> and I'm going to listen. Right. I'm going to listen this time. Uh, and, and yeah, so, you know, it's great. I love this Spindrift thing. And, you know, speaking of uh, listening, why don't we listen to something? Dang. Oh, shit. So if, if, if you don't know, I work at a record store uh, called Cream Tangerine. It's here in Costa Mesa, California. Uh, it's at this cool little spot called The Lab Anti-Mall, and it's outdoors. It's operated out of this really cool chrome Airstream trailer. And um, one of my favorite things about that job is just picking a random record and going, this looks cool, I'm going to put it on. Uh, this looks like an interesting record, or this looks like it's going to be awesome or something. Um, and getting exposed to a lot of music that I would never even conceive of otherwise or never hear of, or stuff that you know, is totally right up my alley that, you know, I never would have, uh, never would have thought of. Um, so we have this record in the shop right now. Um, that is a, I believe it is a compilation of several Bay area, like San Francisco, Oakland area bands. Um, it actually has tower of power on it, uh, from their, their first record, um, as well as uh, Cold Blood, um, both of these bands I've talked about previously on the podcast. Um, this week, I am going to be talking about a, another group from that area. Uh, this group is called Hammer, and uh, they're also on this compilation. Um, the song that I'm going to play tonight, I believe, is called Tuane. Uh, the, sp- the spelling is interesting. I'm not sure what it means, but it's really awesome and really fun and uh very cool and uh it has a great solo and uh yeah i hope you guys enjoy this Thank you. 
Nice. That ending is the best. <laughs> it I sounds like it. it's going to be a pause. I know. Yeah, that's it. It's just over. So, Henry, I got to sell you out. Because Why? Henry just put in the chat, I forgot about all the crazy scatting in this song. <laughs> which is pretty funny, because that's all there is in this song. Yeah. <laughs> I just remember the guitar solo. I put it on at, at the shop one time. I was like, oh, this is a cool, like, just like, they're just like grooving on these changes for like the whole song. And then the guitar solo just blew me out of my chair. I was like, Holy crap. This guy is freaking shredding. Um, it is super cool though. Like, uh, you know, scattering like that's not really easy. I feel no, like it's people not. write it off <laughs> it's as super not. something that's like, you know, especially sing with a lot of melody and things oh, like absolutely. that. Like it's, Oh, you could just do that. It's like, that's no. really, really hard. <laughs> it's yeah. really fucking hard. And the articulation and everything like, like getting that articulation right of like a like that's like whoa. It's People actually just, funny. I, I put in the comments to also myself out that it sounds like Jack Black from Jack Black stuff. Yeah, totally. Like Tenacious D. Yeah. <laughs> Very much so. I love it though. I wonder if you could oh, figure great. out where, when that start. Like, who was? Do you know who like the first guitar player was to really start scatting over their solos? Uh, or is it- know, I don't know. Because um, the, the scatting guy is different. The the I think the guy scatting is like a the actual singer, and the guitar player is different. Like the guitar. Oh, it's two damn. different people. I'm pretty sure. Damn, I always figured it was just the same guy, just like no, 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 scatting and chatting. No, I don't think so. I'd have to, I'd have to ask Research Randy about uh, the credits on this stuff, and uh, it's just kind of hard to find information about these this, these sort of bands because they're very obscure. Like, there's just like not, there's like no information about this band really. Um, yeah, the the it says the vocals here are by a guy named John De Roberts, and guitars by a guy named Jack O'Brien. So. It's it's two different people, John and Jack, uh, doing the vocals and the guitar, S- separate separate individuals, which is interesting. Yeah, they got a they got a dedicated scatter in this Hammer Band, which is pretty cool. Not a lot of, I'm really proud of our out. audience right now for not making any scatting jokes. <laughs> yeah, right now, we can just go off and make a bunch of scat jokes right now, but we're not going to do right. that. Right. The other person that's famous for doing that um, is, is of course, George Benson. Yeah. I think he's, he's got to be credited at least for popularizing it or bringing it to more, you know, widestream notoriety. And that was like, what, early 70s? Yeah, it would have been late 60s, early 70s. Uh, Did Eric Clapton ever do anything, anything like that? Like Cream no. Or, no. Jimi Hendrix did that. Jimi Hendrix oh, yeah. did, did some of that. Um, I don't know that he did that much early on. No, no, no. He did. He did a lot of it. He do like he do a lot of like unison um, singing lyrics and doubling the melody on guitar, and then also would do some stuff where he would double the line, um, like play a riff and sing it at the same time or something like that, which was really cool. And then obviously, as our buddy Michael said in the comments, uh, we have David Gilmore. Um, what what comes to mind for that is the wish you were here solo. Yeah. So it's an interesting concept. I, I like doing it sometimes um, to kind of break stuff up. And sometimes if you're paying close enough attention, I'm doing it off of mic. Uh, like I'll, like I'll be scatting. I won't be up on the mic scatting it, but I'll be singing the solo as I'm playing it. Um, Cause it kind of gets me out of, out of uh, certain playing ruts. Um, I've, I've told this story a lot, but, but when I was first learning how to transcribe guitar solos, uh, my guitar teacher would always tell me to learn how to sing them before I learned how to play them. So I would always sing every guitar solo before I played it. And he would make me sing the guitar solo in front of him before I could play it. That's a good technique. Yeah. So it kind of, it kind of gets me out of the, the whole thing of like, cause, cause when you're playing you fall into the your little bag of tricks as uh steve calls it um your little things that you sort of do habitually and i think for me at least forcing myself to do something that's that's you know more vocal friendly and forces me to take a breath um it just breaks up the usual patterns and kind of spices things up a little bit 
fun stuff. Nice. I like that. It's cool. It's good. Hammer. I think you can use it for you can use it for just about anything. Yeah, that whole record's really great. Um, I think it's just called Hammer. It's just hard to find because uh, there's a lot of things named Hammer, <laughs> so you have to like know what the artwork looks like to yeah. find them on. Um, it took me a long time to find them on. Uh, uh, what was it on, on like Spotify here? Like, there's a million artists with Hammer in their name, and they're like very far down on the list before you even find them. Well, you know what makes it super easy is you can go to our Robert John and the Rex Spotify page and you can go down to artist playlists and you can listen to Henry's playlist for all of these songs that we've been listening to. It's called Henry's History Lesson. Henry's History Lesson. It gets updated every week with new information, new little nuggets, new songs, all that sort of stuff. And, uh, this week, it is no exception. Um, you can find this song and everything else. Uh, we are at, we are at, what are we at now? Let's see. We are at, I just had it up. You're at 103 songs for and seven hours song. and 25 minutes. There you go. It's a big one. Yeah. Big one. Yeah. Lots of stuff there. Could put it on at a party, put it on, uh, when you're doing sound at an event, put it on yeah. in the background, you know? Like Steve, I don't know. You have some pretty crazy stuff out there. I think uh, <laughs> I wouldn't put it on as sound as a venue. I, I would like I listen to it on a drive or something like sure. that. That would probably be my version. But yeah, yeah, you could have hey, almost listened to most of it. Do whatever you want. You could have almost listened to the whole entire playlist this weekend. I know. Oh yeah, you could have. I should have done that. <laughs> yeah, you totally could have done that. Yeah. Well, cool. Real cool. Real cool. Real cool stuff, guys. So, so go for it. This might be <laughs> this might be a fun topic because Warren and I today have just been dealing with all Robert John the Wreck business, and we sort of made the joke of what did you you know like remember when you just wanted to play music and this is like totally easy <laughs> and we thought we could just get away with playing our instruments really well and that's like all it took to make it. And after being like, you know, emailing with this guy from Europe and uh, ordering from this person over here and coordinating with this other person who's the PR person over here and doing all these things like, and we're our own label. So maybe we're not, we don't have the uh, experience that everyone else has, but we do all of our backend work. And every time we do another record, it's just like 10 times more. <laughs> 10 times more stuff we have to try to uh, figure out. So um, there's a ton of stuff that I've grown to like learn about the business and stuff like that, where I never thought I'd ever be spending my time as a drummer in a band, like doing certain things. And then as we start talking to more people, they're like way that are in our position. It's like, you have to do everything for yourself at first. You have to be your own social media person. You have to be your own like t-shirt guy. You have to be your own everything, right? So what is something you thought you would never have to do when you were like 16 years old? And to be fair, when I was 16, I was like, yeah, all I do is just hang out backstage and drink and, you know, hang out with people, right? Like that's all we have to do. That's all that happens. Mm -hmm. So what's something that, 16-year-old Warren or 16-year-old Henry would be really surprised that you have to do now as adult musician, <laughs> Warren or Henry. I, I got one from uh, the Wayfair show, actually. Go for um, it. So, so this guy, great great dude, really nice fella. I, I, I could not remember his name for the life of me. It was a really long weekend. I apologize. If you're listening, um, we did meet. You're a really nice dude. Thank you for buying our record. Um, bought it, brought his record to me. He wanted me to sign it. And he couldn't get the plastic wrap off of the record. And he was like, he was obviously like trying to do it in a way, you know, that, that wouldn't damage the thing and kind of like not, you know, having a hard time finding the corner or whatever. And I saw him having trouble with it. And, and this is when my record store job tricks also came into the <laughs> came into the fray and i was like 
man, I never would have thought I would be helping people open new records. So I showed the guy a trick that I learned from our buddy Parker Macy. You basically take the side of the record, uh, the side of the, 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 the record sleeve um, that the disc comes out of, right? And you rub it against like your thigh, like on your, your pants leg on your thigh until it gets hot. And eventually you'll feel it just break, like kind of break open from the heat. And so I opened this guy's record for him and took the plastic wrap off of him. And I was like, man, I never thought like <laughs> somebody would be coming up and have, asking me to sign the record and I'd have to like open their record for them. Like that's just like such a weird, <laughs> weird random thing. I have another funny thing. This is actually like from back in the day. So CDs used to come in like jewel cases, right? Like a lot of CDs are digi packs mm, now. Mm-hmm. But CDs used to come in jewel cases. I'm sure everyone in our audience remembers this. Did they have like a label on top that was like a sticker that held it together? Mm-hmm. And so oh, yeah. if you bought a CD and you got it, like it had this thing at the top that told you the artist and the name on the top of it. I think uh, stores and brands put them on there because you search through piles like on top, right? So it would say on top which record you're looking at. And so... These things were a huge pain in the ass to get off. I remember learning this trick where you could just unhinge the bottom of the jewel case. So you unshrink wrap it, the same way that Henry's talking about, where you shake it and you throw it off. And then to get the actual top sticker off, you take the bottom hinge of the Mm. jewel case out and you flip it over outside. And it almost looks like you're breaking the CD, but it just goes right back together if you know what you're doing. And you take off the sticker and then you just throw it back on. Do you guys ever do that? You guys remember that? I remember. I think I broke probably 90% of the CDs I had, always trying to get that open and using Mm -hmm. your teeth and doing Mm -hmm. all this stuff. And then it doesn't come off in one strip. So you have to like peel it. And then you have the one CD that you never got it off and you were still pissed. So it's like half on there. And it was like, oh, I hate it. And then they had like the things that you could buy that would like. (laughs) <laughs> it would like do that it's for like you product. yeah and then i don't know and then the cds i'm 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 really surprised that nobody figured out something like a digipack before uh, or and i and i know that they did i remember having cds that weren't always plasticky but it just blows my mind i mean i guess it's probably just the cheapest way to do it but um I kind of like like the digipack. I don't like the plastic thing, and maybe I'm just scarred from having to take off the stupid wrapper at the top. But yeah, and then I think everyone too when you had CDs in your car, those jewel cases used to just break. Yeah, so like right. if you had a CD in your car at any point in time, they always floated around because it was like hard to keep a bunch of CDs in one place. So you know, if you moved them around too much, it just means like the case broke. Yeah. Yeah, I was also part of the download generation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Same. The, the Pirate Bay, land. dude. The Pirate Bay. Yeah. <laughs> Napster a lot, and a lot of Morpheus. Pirate, lot, lots of visits to the Pirate Bay. Kazaa. LimeWire. LimeWire, yeah. File sharing. We're responsible. It was crazy. Lars from you... Metallica was talking about us. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that uh, I was listening to an interview with... Uh, dane cook and he said that napster helped like launch his career and he had he had uploaded some some of his comedy stuff knowing that it would be downloaded for free and he kind of like leaned into the fact of well i don't care i want people to download my stuff and he said that the exposure that he got from being one of the first comedians to have something that you could download for comedy on napster like open the door, insane opportunities and all that sort of stuff. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, totally. Granted, I think time where like record sales still mattered. Yeah. And I think a comedy album is different too. I mean, I've listened to comedy albums and they're funny, but it's definitely something that I don't think I'd listen to more than three or four times where like, you know, there's albums you can listen to forever. And I, I, I don't know if it really works with comedy. So maybe he was smart enough to go, I'm not going to be losing that much shit because people are only going to listen to the punchline and then they're not going to listen too many times after that. But yeah, I don't know. Downloading days. And then you get all the improperly labeled shit. And oh, yeah. 
tons of vitamins. Um, okay, I'm going to go with my thing that I never thought I'd do so much. And I learned so much about this during, through the band that I do this almost as a job for the other job that I have now. But it's uh, graphic design work. And I'm not talking about real people graphic design work where I can like draw something. I can't draw to save my life. My brother was the artist in the family. It's just making, putting stuff together. And I can't remember at what point I started doing this. And I remember when we started, Steve was always really good at it. And then I was terrible at it. So Steve, Steve has put together, and this is to his credit, every album package that we've ever done. It is not easy to put together like, um, and it's not about like, say taking the photo or whatever like that. There's so much more work that goes into it after you just take the photo, then you have to sort of like size it for vinyl and then you have to size it for a CD and then you have to make the liner notes and then you have to make the booklet and stuff like that. And those things are actually like as maybe not as skilled as some of those other things. They take so much work and Every Instagram post that you see that has stuff on it, everything that has words on it, everything has to be made and like made custom, you know what I mean? Because there's no like one-stop shop for making graphics. And it's it's dumb because like we have we it, there's so many pieces of the puzzle. We have to get photos, and we have to get like logos or uh branding kind of stuff made, and then we have to put it all together. But what you don't see is that like when everything looks nice on say like a website or like Instagram or Facebook or like pick your poison, right? All of those things are different sizes and have different requirements and have different things. Every time you want to make one announcement, you basically have to make like 10 photos of it (laughs) that all live in a bunch of different places. And uh, I'm obviously not complaining because, like, I sort of enjoy putting those things together. But it's never something I thought that would be so ingrained in being in a band. And being in a band is so different than just being a musician. Being in a band is like running a small business, you know? It's not like um, like just playing music. And playing music is a, the, the forefront, but it is totally like this, uh, you know, middle... Uh, like one piece of this giant hole that we, this package thing that we put together to, you know, create the best experience for our fans and for the people who want to listen to our music. That's 100% our goal is to create the best experience for everyone. So, you know, creating the best experience takes lighting and sound and like all these different pieces of the puzzle that have to be put together. And that's just one I didn't really think about. Oh, all these graphics have to be put together. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I got to say, piggybacking on that, like realizing not only like they like, yeah, you have to figure out how to do all that stuff, but how like important all that sort of stuff is. And it sounds funny to be like, oh, okay, like graphic design, like for a band, you just put your logo on a photo and it like looks good. And there's just so much, there's so much like other shit that goes into it. Um and, uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel like graphic design is, is definitely a big one. Just like, I don't know, understanding the minutia of it's not as easy as you think it is like just putting logos on. And, and I think the other thing that graphic design, I think ties into is marketing because the idea of the, the graphic is that you're putting something that is appealing enough for somebody to do whatever you want them to do. <clears throat> and I feel like people who are good at that understand the marketing side of their graphic design. So it's not just putting a logo on a picture and going, here's our stuff. It's like, well, what do I want? What do I want this image to get people to do in the end? And um, yeah, it's pretty deep. I think my, my just the sense, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Um, Just to piggyback off of that. It's just a little like, uh, you know, when you see something and it looks professional and you know when you see something and it looks uh, not professional. And that is like, there's so many decisions that, and attention to detail that go into the thing that looks professional versus the thing that doesn't. And you know that if you see something from the Rolling Stones, it just has this thing to it. 
But that thing was defined by like a really, really smart, passionate person, like making that their thing. And yeah. Yeah. Like even stuff to like the grateful dead, the grateful dead is its own just brand now. Like mm-hmm. they, they put those goddamn gummy bears on everything. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now what um, were you going to say yours was more? I think mine definitely is uh, like, I wouldn't call it web design, but like web sort of layout. Um, and specifically right now we are, we've been trying to figure out a good way to uh, split our stores. So we have a USA store and a European store. And there's a lot of things that there's a lot of companies that offer really, really good programs for people who can run stores that don't want to have to pay a shit ton for a website and all that sort of stuff. And they have all these sort of features and like, there's just things to me that I, I feel like is a simple, a simple thing that would be incorporated to something like a website or like sort of web design. And it's not even so much the store. It's almost like anything, any customization feature and the further that i get into trying to figure out how to split the stores and track inventory and this sort of stuff i start to realize that like i don't know some of these websites have features to me that are so blaringly obvious but it's not it's not a feature that could be an option so like and I, I guess what I'm trying to say is just figuring out how to do like the internet side of everything. Um, because it does seem, it seems like it'd be easy to go, Hey, I want to have two stores. I want to have one in location a and one in location B and fulfill from them. And, um, I don't know. There's just so much tiny, tiny little things that go into it to making sure that your user, wherever they're from is making sure that they're getting shipping calculated and that it's coming out of the right inventory and that inventory is being tracked and that the, that has an SKU number. And if it's international, then it needs another number and it needs a country of origin. And it has all this sort of back criteria. And um, yeah, I don't know. I think the whole backend business side of things, I always figured a management company would just kind of come in and take over. And I think that as we move into digital downloads and just the way that you have to be a band nowadays, it makes more sense to be a self-managed band because you can control everything. Um, but it is so much goddamn work to, to even just like we were talking about just getting one graphic and going, let's just, let's just get a, a picture for an album cover and like the sorts of stuff that goes into trying to figure out an album cover. And then it's like, okay, well, what about merch? And there's so much of this little backend stuff that is these tiny, tiny little blocks that end up like, again, when you see it on the website, it's like, oh, that was pretty simple. You guys just like put a, you know, a logo on a shirt and, and you guys are trying to do sales and stuff. I don't know. I, I, I'm kind of just rambling here, but the, in the end, it's all of the tiny minutia that it really takes. I guess. Yeah. That's what I hear you saying is that like we put in a lot of effing attention to detail to everything we could possibly do around here. Yeah. And as much attention to detail as we put into the music, we put into everything else. Yeah. So, you know, that's how you end up with what you end up with is because we care about this like more than anything else. And it's cool because it, it becomes like um this is what I'm willing to do to, you know. Uh, see through to my passion and usually when we talk to people at labels or things like that they do like a really good job sometimes or on some things and sometimes it is like so far behind the curve that it's like i don't know if i want to sign with you or not like your website looks like it's from 1998 and that was like made you know (laughs) a hundred years ago and i wouldn't buy anything off your website so why would you know one of our fans buy off our website and then it's always like well I would never want to give our fan an experience that I don't enjoy, you know, in in music or in anything, you know? So, you know, it just makes all those decisions sort of worthwhile. Yeah. And the other thing that I think ties into it is there's so much stuff that needs to be done, like for our band on a daily basis. And just like knowing that that is like the main job right now, like I have always worked a nine to five to try to support everything else that I've, I've been doing. And, um, 
when you, that nine to five turns into a, a full day, but instead of working at a desk job, you're doing something like working in a band or, or it doesn't even have to be a band, just something that you're passionate in. When you're putting in all of those hours, it doesn't feel like you're as taxed as you are sitting at a desk from a nine to five. It's like, okay, like for example, today, you know, I get, I'm usually up like around eight, eight thirty. And I try to work on most band stuff throughout the day. We have a band meeting, you know, after dinner, we do the podcast. So, you know, it's almost 10 o'clock at night and all we've been doing is doing band shit all day. And I feel like good. Like I don't feel like stressed out and I don't feel like, Oh, like fuck this. It's like, Oh, like everything that we're doing now is all for the band. And it just makes, it makes the effort of doing it so much more rewarding and, um, you know, again, we're doing a lot of stuff right now because we have a new album coming out and we have new, new music coming and it's a shit ton of work. But when we get to go out there and like play some of the new songs at like the Wayfair this last weekend or, um, or, you know, just seeing like, you know, like a, a cool shirt design or something, it's like all of that stuff just makes it all the worthwhile to be like, fuck yeah like we busted our ass on this last album and we're doing a lot of shit to try to make it cool and unique for everybody like andrew said like a very a very user-friendly a very uh satisfying experience for somebody who wants to be a customer of ours which again ties into something i'm like i would have never thought i had to know anything about market marketing or customer retention i didn't even know customer retention was like a thing until, <laughs> until this and it's like you know, so much digging and so much stuff. But at the end of the day, this is exactly what I want to be doing. So I don't, it doesn't feel like I'm like taxed. I don't feel exhausted, even though I am tired at moments, it's all worth it. And um, yeah, again, when, when we get to release that music and we get to play for people, it's all worth it. And uh, I can't wait for you guys to, to hear about what we got coming up. Cause we have some really cool shit on the horizon. All right. What can we spoil? Because, like, podcast listeners are podcast listeners, and this is all like coming up pretty soon, right? It's like two days that we yeah. like announce some stuff. Yeah. So, you guys all know we have a new record. Yeah. What are they going to get to see on Wednesday? You guys will get to see the album cover for the first time, which is freaking awesome. It's a really good one. And then I can tell you so, like, again, when we're talking about like, this album cover went through like five different versions before we just picked one. So like you guys are getting the fruits of a lot of us, you know, for, uh, like trying to, uh, um, make sure that this thing represents what the hell we're doing. <laughs> yeah. And, and again, you know, it's like Steve designed the, al- Steve and Andrew designed the, the album cover. And it's like, it's not like we just send it out to somebody. We have a, we have a band text for thread that probably gets filled up with hundreds of texts every day, going back and forth on little changes. And uh, yeah, you know, what would be cool actually is if we could figure out a way to like, kind of put like the drafts of like, well, this is where it started. This is draft two. And then this is where it ended because I felt like you can kind of see that process, but yeah, I don't know. Um, <laughs> That'd be interesting. That also be interesting. If you ever had a Patreon, we're sort of like, um, patreon or for our solo members and the band is the band so but we need to make some kind of like members area for the podcast listeners because you guys are like the super fans to be honest and you communicate with us more than the average you know uh like person who just goes to a show but you can have like a ton of input when it comes to uh whether you like something or not and that might be fun in the future to set up something like um Sort of like, I guess Patreon might be the best version, but it's just like a social media, but like where you really get to like have input, right? Like here's draft one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It'd be pretty cool. Um, so let us know what you guys want, but but yeah, the album cover, we're coming out with a trailer for a video that we shot and you might've seen some pictures of that video already. And if, if you are local, we are playing songs off the new album. There have been clips circulating through the internet so um you may have heard a couple of these songs already and not not known about it yet so if you are local and you can come see a show we're definitely playing new material so that's another benefit 
of coming out and seeing us too. I definitely saw someone at Heritage singing all the words, like <laughs> not some of the words, but all the words that every day. And I was like, oh, she def- someone definitely gave her the record early or something <laughs> like that, which is all good, like for our local people and stuff. I was like, how does she know all the There's no way you know all the words to this song. Yeah. But it was good. It was awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, Wednesday we have the big uh, announcement. Um, and there's going to be some cool shit that will go down. And, um, yeah, by the end of the month, you will have a full single release. So, um, stay tuned, keep up with, uh, keep up with our Instagram, our, our Facebook, uh, sign up for our email list. If you haven't, we just kind of revamped that and we're sending out, um, a couple more emails each week. Um, one of them includes a, a Henry Henry video history lesson playlist, and then we're doing fun things like uh, pulling up old footage from past concerts, and then showcasing different products in the merch store. And um, yeah, we put out like a, a mailer each month that shows our tour schedule. So if you guys really want to stay updated, get on the email list, um, and we also do special discounts and shit like that. So just stay in touch with all the social medias, um, tag us, share, comment, like subscribe, do all that sort of stuff. We like being interactive with you. So, uh, you know, feel free Uh, to write us a message, anything. Uh, if you want the real thing to write home and talk to your friends about, uh, don't go to our website. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but if you want to see all these things early, don't go to our website. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Little and then hint. Wednesday, you'll see it anyways. So, yeah. We got some cool stuff coming up. So, and then as far as gigs go, um, we are playing this weekend at the Alpine Country Blues Festival in Alpine, Arizona. And then the following week, we are playing at Old World in Huntington Beach, um, which is their old German town with the beer garden and stuff. That is on Friday, June 25th. And then on June 26th, we are playing at the OC Music Fest, which features some of the best jam bands um, in Orange County. It's Friday, Saturday, Sunday event at the beautiful lake in Silverado Canyon. Um, it is a camping event, so if you want to come out and camp and do all that sort of stuff, it's very family-friendly, outdoors, lots of jam music, uh, guaranteed to be lots of twirlers and all of the hippie accoutrement that you're used to, tie-dye and everything like that. No tie-dye. No tie-dye no tie-dye. Yeah. at that festival, I heard. <laughs> it's put on by uh, DJE, our buddy Ted, who runs DJE. Uh, he is the man. He always puts on a great festival experience. And um, the lineup, again, has some of the best bands and musicians in Orange County. So that is not something you want to miss. It's going to be a really fun festival. Uh, that is Saturday. We play Saturday, the 26th. Information for that can be found on our Bands in Town and our Song Kick page on the internet. So um, check all that stuff out. And uh, Stay in contact with us. Let us know what you like. Let us know what you don't like. Maybe just say hello. I don't know. You do you. (laughs) All right. Whatever you decide to do, make sure to be safe, have a good time, be good to each other, and get wrecked.